All right, Grace Point, welcome to another Thursday night. We've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, and man, it's been really neat. It's been a good journey. Paul is correcting, he's instructing, he's leading the church away from worldly wisdom, and he's bringing them into spiritual wisdom. Worldly wisdom is going to divide Reference James chapter 3, spiritual wisdom is going to unite, reference James chapter 3. So he's trying to bring them under godly wisdom, being taught by the Lord. So let's pick up in chapter 3, Paul says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual, but carnal. What he's saying here, he just told them they need to be taught by the Spirit, And he's saying, but I can't speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal means fleshly. The word, the Greek word there is sarks. It just means meat, flesh. You're fleshly. He said, you're babies in Christ. And I have fed you with milk and not with solid food because you're not able to receive it. And even now you're not able to, get this, for you are still meat, (laughs) okay, You are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, get this, here's this word again, divisions. Are you not fleshly and behaving like mere men? One says, I belong to Paul, another Apollos. Aren't you carnal? Aren't you just meat? Aren't you just fleshly? You're acting like mere men. Then then with He goes on and tells them, hey, we're just instruments in the hand of God. And God's the one that's building this thing. And you're divided, you're divisive, divisive mentality, and your envy and your strife is pointing to the fact that you don't really understand. You're just who you are. You're operating out of carnal, carnality and flesh rather than this worldly wisdom that Paul has told him. And that's why I said, that's why Paul is preaching so much about God's wisdom in contrast to worldly wisdom, because worldly wisdom divides, spiritual wisdom unites. It unites around the cross of Christ, the message of Christ. So he says, we laid a foundation. I'm going to skip up to, because I really don't want to cover every single verse. It's not my intention, trying to give you more of a sweep of Corinthians. So you can read it yourself, but he says in verse 15, let no one deceive himself if anyone seems to be wise in this age. Let him become a fool so he may become wise for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God for it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They're futile. Therefore, let no one boast about men, for everything belongs to you. Whether Paul, Apollos, or Cephas, the world, life or death, things present or things to come, all things belong to you, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. So, Paul is again pointing them back to the wisdom of God. Isn't it interesting that he says that if you want to be wise in this age, you must become a fool? I think of uh, this uh, podcast and YouTube thing I've been listening to 
where all these scholars are uh, sitting around, and they're not all Christians, and they're discussing a book of the Bible. And I often think that the reason that they miss certain things is because they're approaching things from man's wisdom and not what God's wisdom is in the book. One of the people in this teaching said he never prays and asks God for anything. And to him, that was being humble, right? That's humble. I don't ask God for anything. I've heard other people say that. Well, you know, I'm just not that important or my needs aren't that much, so I don't pray. That is one of the most selfish things. If you really think about it, Plus, it contradicts the whole teaching of the Bible. Jesus, over and over and over again, encourages people to ask. How many times does he have to tell them to ask? Over and over. I bet 24 times in the Gospels, Jesus is telling people to ask. Or he comes and says, hey, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And in fact, in uh, John 16, he says, hitherto now, you've asked for nothing Ask that your joy can be full. It's this one promise after ask, ask, ask. And it's actually quite selfish not to ask. No one said you had to ask for yourself. You can ask God to bring blessings into other people's lives. You can ask God for blessings in your life so you can bless other people. It's really carnal, but that's man's wisdom that's man's idea of you know, wisdom, like I'm not going to ask God for anything. It just doesn't make any sense when you look at it through the scriptures. Or uh, just this, uh, in, in the teaching, the way they pointed this, one gentleman kept pointing to, you know, all of righteousness is what I do. It's what I do. It's what I do. It's what I do. And it's his own righteousness. He's pulling stuff out of the Bible uh, which is directly in contradiction to what Paul taught, that it's not what we do, it's what Christ did. Why? Because they got a worldly mindset. They're thinking accord, according to the rudiments of this world. They're thinking in terms of philosophy. What must I do to be saved? What, what's the rudiments? What ABCs do I have to do to be saved? Rather than to look at the cross of Christ and see their redemption, their wisdom, their righteousness, their sanctification, everything they need right there in Jesus. They look away from that, and they become foolish. It's beautiful. So Paul goes on to say, hey, you know, you need to look at us like we are stewards of the mysteries of God. We're not God. God has just entrusted us as stewards of the mystery of God. You need to stop looking at us like we're any different than you in, in one way. I know he has authority, but he goes, we're like you. We all have our place. One person plants, one person waters, but God is the one that makes it grow. I want to read the last part of chapter 4, and I'll end right here. I'm going to cut it short because I have a separate thought coming. So Paul ends chapter 4. And he says, hey, I don't write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. 
He will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. But some are puffed up as though I weren't coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I will know not the words of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. What do you want? Should I come to you with the rod or in the spirit of gentleness? Now this goes right back again to this message. Paul was contrasting worldly wisdom to spiritual wisdom, and now he's telling them, hey, I'm going to come and I'm going to find out the real power, which he already referenced, of these people. He's, and he says, my power is uh, given to me by God, and it's, I can come in gentleness or with the rod. So, so understand this. This is the whole purpose of this book. Paul is bringing correction and discipline, admonition, and in a loving way and in a gentle way, he doesn't want... Because he even says in another letter, I didn't come to you because I wanted to spare you the rod. I didn't want to come, he says, and bring a rod of correction. But Paul has the authority, and he's establishing this authority in this church, and he's bringing direction, and he's correcting worldly wisdom, and he's encouraging godly wisdom. And we'll pick up right there next week.